Welcome to the God is Able radio broadcast, the ministry of Old Savannah Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Austin Frady, and we thank you for joining us today on the radio. James chapter number one tonight, as we begin to look into this, we talked last week about the very first verse, and we really just kind of settled in there. We talked about James and set the context and the introduction to this book. And as we looked at the things that James is writing about in this book, he's writing about a belief that behaves. He's writing about practical Christianity. This is a practical epistle. We talked about last week how that James doesn't really dive into and deal with doctrine, though there is doctrine that will be dealt with because you can't preach anything about the Lord without dealing with doctrine in some way or in some fashion. And so tonight we look at this and we look at the thought uh, tonight of what is being said in verse number two. When we come to verse number two and we see James saying, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. We're reminded that James is writing to that first century church, but there is an application made to this 21st century church here tonight. The church in James's day, they faced heavy persecution and they either would cave under the weight of that persecution or they would be strengthened by the resistance that came from it. The trials that they would face would either destroy them or those trials would define them. James is writing in this book to promote victorious Christian living. And can I say to you tonight that the Christian can live victorious in the midst of the days that you and I live in. Those first century Christians, they were given some help from the Word of God. God inspired James to write this epistle anointed by God inspired by God and the Holy Ghost guided his pen as he penned down this epistle and wrote to that first century church I believe the word of God to be God breathed and God breathed this epistle through the hand of James and James wrote to that first century church that they might be able to be victorious even in the face of the persecution that had come their way we're reminded early in the book of Acts that persecution came very quickly that is Peter and James and John they went there to the gate called beautiful and that man that is there that's laid there for many years and, and they, they they healed that man and God touches that man that there was anger that was that was caused throughout the chief priests and the scribes because of that man being healed and, and the persecution begins and it does not end it continues right on and on through Stephen the first martyr and even Saul of Tarsus he is persecuted greatly once he gets saved by the grace of God and starts being used of the Lord there's great persecution of upon the church. That persecution though was not in vain. It seems as though the church never did reach out from Jerusalem into their Judea and into their Samaria and into their uttermost parts of the earth until that persecution came and that persecution became profitable because the gospel is spread across the world that is sparked by that persecution. This persecution was great and it is if we were to study it some of the things that happened they're just mind boggling that human human beings could do this to another human being and it's it's mind boggling to think about James that his head was cut off by the sword just because he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard for us in America to imagine that that actually happened in history and that it still happens across the world in certain places and tonight the persecution we could say that it looked like it was going to wipe Christianity out but rather God took it and used it to do the very opposite and so James 
James is writing to a group of people that are going through great trials and they're going through some great uh, testing in their life. And so we see in verse number 2 the reality of trials. That that in the Christian life there is the reality of trials. I preached on that several times over the last month or so that it is a fact of the Christian life that we go through trials and we go through some troubles along this way. When the Bible says in verse number 2 that you fall into diverse temptations, that word temptation that's being used there, it really gives us the sense of trials. It gives us the sense of something that God has allowed to come into our life, not for the purpose of destroying us, but for the purpose of developing us so that we can be defined as the people of God and God for the world to see God's glory working in our life. Temptations can come from Satan to tempt you to sin, but God can also use those for glory. But ladies and gentlemen, in this text we find that it really gives the sense of of trials in the sense or the temptations are in the sense of trials or testings that come from the Lord. We see that in Genesis chapter number 22 also. The Bible says that the Lord did tempt Abraham. Don't mean that he tempted him to sin. James is very clear to tell us in verse number number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And so when the Bible used that word temptation in the sense of it's something that God is doing, it is a testing in our vernacular or in our language, just like what God was doing in Genesis chapter 22. He wasn't tempting Abraham with evil, but rather he was testing him and he was using that moment of asking Abraham to take Isaac up on Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice to test the obedience of Abraham. And so there is the reality of trials in our life. You look in verse number 2 and you'll find that the Bible says, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptation. There is the little word ye, that little personal pronoun that is in the word of God that teaches us that no one is exempt from trials. There's not a person in this building that is exempt from God testing you or from trials or hardships coming in your life. Every single one of us from the front row to the back, from the right to the left, we are a candidate to be placed under a testing of hardship or trials coming in our life. Some of you may have went many years in your life and you never really had any trouble and then all of a sudden, boom, something hits or maybe you're one of those people that just seem like you have trial after trial after trial but none of us are exempt from trials for me they may come in a different form than they do for you and vice versa but none of us are exempt from troubles and from trials coming in our life oftentimes we'll think that we are either higher and mightier than someone else or or we'll almost get the mentality like Job's friends had because we've not went through what so and so has went through that maybe we're living our life a little cleaner may God help us to get that pride out of our life that we would ever think that we are all a candidate for there to be trials in our life now just because somebody don't look like they're going through what you went through don't mean they're not going through trials for some people the trials are mental for some people the trials and the battles that they go through are things that are unseen on the outside some people get sick some people have cancer some people they have a family member that's in a car accident and they lose a loved one and they have openly an outward trial some people have children that are sick and they have to carry them week in and week out and year after year to the hospital and they have outward trials but then there are others that sit in the house of God week after week after week and they're still going through some things and they're still going through some trials but those trials are mental they're facing battles and and the devil attacks them and they have all kinds of things that come in their life but at the end of the day no one is exempt notice that James said when ye that personal pronoun pointing the finger at every single one of us when ye fall into diverse temptation and then we find 
that it's not if we're going to have a trial. It's not if we're going to have a temptation come our way. But it's when we understand that in our life, if we serve the Lord, that there's going to be a day, there's going to be an hour that hardships come in your life. We find then the Bible says when you fall into diverse temptation, that word fall, it gives us several different indications through that word. It, it, it gives us the indication that it comes when you least expect it. If I think I'm going to fall, then I'm going to do something to prevent that fall. But oftentimes we fall because we get tripped up unexpectedly. It gives us the sense that these trials, they come in our life when you least expect it. I'm sure that if we were to testify through the building tonight, that you would testify of the trial of your life, that you didn't wake up that morning and expect everything in your world to be turned upside down. You didn't wake up in the morning and expect to get the phone call that you had, or you didn't expect the things to come or happen in the way and in the manner that they did, but they do sometimes come in a way that we least expect them. That word fall, it also gives the sense not just of being unexpected, but it gives the sense of being surrounded by it. Uh, the, the, the sense of just being surrounded by that trial, that that trial compasses your life. And oftentimes that's what happens when troubles come and when testing is allowed and when you're in a difficult time in your life. It seems as though that's all that you can focus on, that it has surrounded your life. We find the reality of trials is that they can come in many different ways. The Bible says when you fall into divers, temptations, there is, ladies and gentlemen, one God, and He is Lord, and He is the supreme ruler and controller and the authority over all things. And these trials that come, they may come in many different forms, in many different fashions. That word divers is where we get our word diverse from or various from. We could say manifold trials and manifold testings. But ladies and gentlemen, tonight at the end of the day, there is one God and He is Lord. And because He is Lord, He is the supreme ruler and He is the supreme authority. Whether you let Him be Lord of your life or not, He's still Lord every single moment and every single hour of the day. Whether you accept Him as your Savior and Lord of your life, He still is both of the above. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight as Lord, He is not just Lord of my life or Lord of your life or Lord of this church, but He is supreme ruler of all things. And so the various trials, no matter what form they come in, at the end of the day, they still had to pass the approval of our God first and foremost. We find number two that there is the reason for these trials that comes into play in verse number three that God doesn't just allow trials to come into our life just as useless things or just as meaningless trials and temptations, but rather they come into our life for a reason. And James has a real burden in these verses that I've read to you tonight for this early church to see that the trials and the hardships that we go through down here, that they mean something and that there's a purpose behind every single one of them. Can I present to you tonight, listen carefully church, if we can get a hold of the fact that everything that we go through, that it means something and that everything that you go through, God is trying to do something in your life. It'll make it a whole lot easier for us to go through that trial. It'll make it a whole lot easier for us to pass that test. It'll make it a whole lot more uh, better for us even though all of our life seems like it's turned upside down when we know that God has a reason in that. If we knew that God was going to use the trial of our life for one person to see the love of Christ and for them to get saved, we would understand that it's worth it for us to go through that trial just so that soul can go to heaven. If we knew that God was going to teach us something that we would never learn any other way through that trial and that we would be able to become who God wants us to be because He's teaching us through that trial something that we would never learn in any other form or any other fashion. There are some things that you're not going to learn in the preaching. There's some things you're not going to learn in Sunday school. 
There's some things you're only going to learn by having to go through it in your life, personally, individually, as a family. You're going to have to go through some hardships and you're going to have to go through some difficulty. I mean, it's hands-on training. Sometimes we teach and we preach and we do our best to expound upon these things. And I remember when I was a young Christian, man, my pastor, he'd preach things and I just, I'd think I'd amen it because it's the Word of God. But until I lived it, I didn't really get it. And there's some things in your life that is that very way. There's things that I preach that I didn't even really get until I had to live what I had preached. There's things that we've sung about and we've raised our hand and we've shouted about them in a song because we know that it's true and we know that it's right and we know that it's backed up by the Word of God. But you don't really get it until you go through it and until you live that. And oftentimes in our lives when you're praying, God, use me, God, use me, you'll have to go through some things for God to really get you where He can use you. And so we see James is saying in verse number 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That trial that's mentioned in verse number 2, it's not in vain, but God's got a purpose for it. And if we can understand why, it'll help keep our heart in the right place, help keep our heart in the right motive. It'll help keep us in a place that we understand that it's all about God, not about us. We find that these trials that are mentioned, they are more explained in verse number 3, that it is the trying of your faith that worketh patience, that it is a testing, it is the, the proof, it is the, 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 the devotion of, of putting something to the test to see if it's going to stand up or whether it will not. In verse number 13, we find that uh, the Bible, or verse number 12, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of light. Once again, these trials are not meant to destroy us, but they are meant to develop us into who God wants us to be. That's what verse number 3 is really saying, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. This trial, the testing, and maybe the trial and the testing that you're going through right now, it is the process of God to develop you into who God wants you to be. I've been preaching here lately and had this on my mind about having the ingredients to the cake. And oftentimes we look at the cake and we see the cake sitting there and we, we think how wonderful that cake is. But there has to be the ingredients and then there has to be the process. I preached on that on our vision Sunday. I want you to understand with me through the Word of God there are many times that people had the ingredients but then they did not get the process right and both are crucial and both are imperative to getting to the end result of what we need. David, he re reclaimed the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines and the Bible says that he made a new card and he put that Ark of the Covenant on that new card. That wasn't God's way. I mean, he knew that the, the, the Israelites needed the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem but he tried to do it some other way other than God's way. He tried to create a new process and not do it by the process that God had already instituted. It was God's way for the Levites to carry the Ark of the Covenant. It sounded a whole lot better. It sounded a whole lot easier to put the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. But that was not the way of God. That was not the will of God. That was not the process of God. Though the ingredients were there, the process was messed with and it messed up the whole thing. The Ark of the Covenant ended up going, staying in the house of Obed-Edom for some time before it ever made it back to Jerusalem. And tonight might I say to you that we understand the ingredients often all too well, but we must also understand the process of the way that God works in our lives and what God is doing. And if we understand the process, it helps us when we're going through the trials that we'll face. We find in verse number 3 it says, The trying of your faith worketh patience. This word worketh patience and this phrase it gives us the sense that when you're in the middle of a trial, you are under the weight of it. You are holding 
holding the weight of that trial and that weight is bearing down upon you and it is completely natural for us while we are in that trial to just want to get out from under the weight that we are carrying but this is there's a purpose for that weight being upon your life the weight of that trial the weight of that hardship the weight of that sickness the weight of whatever it is that God is using in your life as a trial that worketh patience for you it is meant verse number 4 the Bible says let patience have her perfect work this means to come to a place of full development Uh, this gives us the sense of maturity and James is saying that if we want to be mature Christians then we're going to have to go through some things to get to that point of being mature Christians Uh, this phrase that is used let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect that word perfect it it don't mean that you're going to be sinless and you're going to be completely perfect as far as having no sin in your life but it means being complete being fully mature and coming to the place that you are a meat Christian that you're not on the milk anymore but that you become a meat Christian the apostle Paul had to talk about that to the Corinthian church he told them in Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2 and 3 said I fed you with milk and not with meat hitherto you were not able to bear it he said I give you milk because that's all that you could stand it seems as though there's some people there they wanted meat but they couldn't handle the meat there's like a baby trying to eat a 16 ounce porterhouse and there wasn't no way they could do it can I say to you there's some people in church sometimes like that as well they want a steak laid on the table but they can't cut it up and they couldn't chew it even if they could I say to you tonight it's worth going on to maturity and it's worth the troubles and the trials that we have to go through to be perfect or to be fully developed to be complete and to become a meat Christian I'm glad I don't have to still suck out of a bottle thank God I'm glad every now and then when the Lord allows I can pull up to the Texas Roadhouse and I'm glad I can get me one of them 16 ounce steaks and I can sit down praise the Lord cut that thing off and chew it praise the Lord I'm talking about medium rare thank God I am under grace I don't need a burnt sacrifice I'm telling you I'm glad that I'm not still on the bottle I'm glad mama don't have to open up a can of baby food for me I'd be a miserable miserable fella I'm telling you my wife couldn't stand me if I had to eat baby food three meals a day thank God we can eat some meat every now and then and I'm glad for that I'm telling you as a Christian I'm glad for the day and for the hour that the Lord helps us to become a mature Christian and helps us to come to the place that we can eat some meat spiritually as well for the glory of God that should be the desire of every single one of us that are saved by the grace of God is that we should have a desire to grow have a desire to get closer to the Lord a desire to to be stronger today than what we uh, was yesterday to be a brighter light today than what we was yesterday and it should be our desire to be greater and and bigger for the Lord Jesus Christ not for our glory but for his glory next week and next month it should be the desire of our church uh, that God does great and mighty things through our church and with our church tomorrow and next Sunday and next year we should constantly have a desire and a want to to go forward and to go 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 closer to the Lord and be a greater representative for him we are ambassadors of Christ and we should want to represent him in the greatest way that we possibly can we should never outgrow the hunger for wanting to be a mature Christian 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 6 the apostle Paul said how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect that word is used once again how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect that word once again it means developed it means complete it speaks of a mature Christian a meek Christian and we find that the apostle Paul said we speak wisdom to them that are complete those that are 
mature. And so tonight we need wisdom to really be who God wants us to be. But we can't ever get to the wisdom part if we don't ever get through the developing part. We find that in the book of James. Also, he goes in verse number 5 that the trial is to enable us or to set us up, get us to the place that we can really get the wisdom of God and we can have wisdom in our walk and wisdom in our talk. But we've got to let God work on us and we've got to let God. We've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and we've got to cooperate with what He's doing in our life to make us into who He wants us to be. You see this thing? It's a cooperative sport. Amen? When you get saved by the grace of God, it takes cooperation between you and the Holy Ghost in order for you to be saved. The Holy Ghost don't strong arm nobody and make them get saved. He is the master persuader. But at the end of the day, you've got to surrender your will to His will. You've got That's what believing's all about is you surrendering your will to His will. You've got to, you've got to be the one, ladies and gentlemen, that throws up the white flag and says, I'm done fighting this fight. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. That's really what it's all about. And then after you get saved, it's still a cooperation event. You've still got to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. You've got to cooperate with what He tells you to do and what His Word tells you to do. And you've got to cooperate with what He bids your heart in the direction that He leads you. And as a church, it's a cooperation event. We're in this together to cooperate with the Word of God. Every single person from the right, the left, the front to the back to cooperate with the Word of God and cooperate with the way that God set it up and to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Any other way is displeasing to the Lord. It will not work. And we'll never make it to that part of really having that wisdom. You talk about having discernment. That discernment comes from having godly wisdom that comes by being cooperative with the Holy Spirit of God. It is as simple as just minding the Lord. We say that phrase oftentimes. Just mind the Lord. That sounds easy. But I'm telling you this flesh is rotten and this flesh is wicked. I'm talking about Austin standing up here on the stage behind this pulpit. This flesh is wicked and it's hard sometimes for this flesh to, to surrender and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So God has to put us through the trials and God has to put us through some testing so that we'll come to the place that we really learn to trust in Jesus and trust in Him alone. This is James. He's saying these things and he says in verse number 2, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Boy, that's good preaching James, but that's awful hard living. When the doctor comes in, it's hard to say, well, thank God for that. It's hard when you're put in prison to say, thank God for that. It's hard when somebody comes against you to say, well, thank God for that. Them coming against me and not backing me like they ought to. Uh, When somebody accuses you or when somebody uh, says something that hurts your little feelings, it's easy for us to get mad and angry, but it's real hard to say, well, Lord, I count that all joy knowing that you're trying to develop me into who you want me to be. Anybody following me tonight? I find, ladies and gentlemen, that James said that we can count it all joy when we understand that God wants to do something in our life. This wisdom that is talked about in verse number 5, it'll give us the ability to handle things correctly in our life and really be spiritually mature Christians. And might I say to you, to make a difference for the glory of God for the long term, it's going to take some wisdom. It's going to take some people that don't keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. It's going to take a church that don't keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. We ought to study our heritage and we ought to learn from what they got right. But we also ought to look at what they got wrong and we ought to see 
where this church has had some problems in the past. We ought to see where Western North Carolina has had some problems in the past. We ought to have a desire to be greater and come out of that. We learn from what they got right, but we also learn from what they got wrong. We learn the same from our moms and our dads, from our parents and the people around us. We learn from what they got right and we take those things with us, but we also learn the things that they got wrong. That's why parents are hard on their kids because they want you to do better than what they even done themselves. And the same should be true that we should be willing to take and understand through wisdom that what they got wrong, we shouldn't go back and rehash them same mistakes again. We know that it didn't work in yesteryear and it ain't going to work this year because God's Word's not for it. And so we go forward for the glory of God and we gain ground for His amazing grace. There is the reason for our trials. Really the reason for our trials all hinges on the response during our trials. So James is saying in verse number 3 that the trying of your faith worketh patient. It gives us the word picture of being under a weight, being under a heavy weight. And we're not just to try to see how quickly we can get out from under that weight. But it is, ladies and gentlemen, our, our responsibility to say, Okay, Jesus, I'm under this weight. And, and I need you to help me now while I'm under this weight. It is my natural response when I'm under pressure to get out from under that pressure. Amen. It's your natural response when you're under pressure to get out from under that pressure as quickly as you possibly can. But whenever you're lifting weights, it's not just about getting out from under that pressure. It's about that resistance building up your muscles so that you can do more than just one rep. You can do two reps, and then next week you can do three reps, and then and in a few months and in a few years you're able to you're able to add more weight to it, and you're able to do more than you was ever ever even thought that you'd be able to do. It's not just about getting out from under the weight, but it's learning to be increased in strength from the weight. And this is what the apostle Paul is talking about in Romans chapter five and verse number three. He says that we. Glory Glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. The word tribulation, speaking of trials or hardships that comes in your life. He said, we glory in those things. <laughs> well, Paul, i got a problem right there because I have a hard time glorying in the hardships of my life. Amen. I have a hard time glorying and saying, well, thank God for the hardships that come along my way. The Apostle Paul, he says, we glory in them tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love abroad is shot abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. What he's saying is that tribulation works something in your life that's going to make you closer and more like Jesus than you've ever been. I say thank God for it. It's hard to say it in the moment. But I'm telling you, if we ever learn that as a church, as a pastor, as a family, if we ever learn to grab hold of our trials and grab hold of our tribulations, grab hold of our hardships and say to God be the glory, I'm not just trying to get out from under the pressure, but I'm trying to learn how to use that pressure to make me stronger for the glory of God. I'm trying to learn how to use that pressure to glorify Jesus. But you see, when you're just trying to get out from under the pressure, it's about you. It's about your desire. It's about, it's about the fact that you're in pain. It's about the fact that you don't want to be there and you want to be somewhere else and you want to be doing what you want to do and you want to do your own thing and you want to enjoy yourself and you want to enjoy your time. But whenever you come under the pressure and you say, God, take this pressure and use it for your glory and God, make me stronger because of it, all of a sudden you've taken yourself and crucified it on the altar of sacrifice and you said, Jesus, my life is all about you. It's all about what you want to do. It's all about what brings you glory and what brings you honor and it's all about what will bring you praise and so God I'm not just trying to get out from under the pressure I'm saying Lord just help me to learn from the pressure 
response during our trials all about learning to really trust in God. Even in the valley, learning to trust him. It's easy to trust God up on the mountain. It's hard to trust him in the valley. But can I remind you tonight, as McCamey's used to sing it, I believe we owe Peg McCamey a little bit of honor tonight. She done went on to heaven. She used to sing that song, the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. He was God on the mountain for Elijah, but he was also God in the valley for David. He was he's God on the mountain then, and he's God on the mountain now, and he's God in the valley then, and He's God in the valley now. I say thank God, thank God that He is the Lord and He's worthy to be trusted. Proverbs chapter 3 and 5. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. That's easy preaching up on the mountain. But can you trust Him when you're down in the valley? Can you trust Him with it all when everything in your life is falling apart? You see, that's the test of your faith. That's God proving you. Do you really mean what you say? I've learned that when you get serious with God, I don't believe God does this, you really get serious with Him. But when you really get serious with God, God will test you to see if you mean what you say. Amen? If I preach it, you can you could put your dollar down on the communion table if you was a betting man and don't do it, praise the Lord. I'm just using that as a phrase and expression. You can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to have to live it. Amen. Brother Matt preaches it. Brother Tim preaches it. Brother David preaches it. Bet you bottom dollar we're going to live it. We say it seriously with the right heart and the right motive. God puts it in our heart. We preach it because we mean it because the word of God. Hey, we're going to live it. Same be true for you. God will test you. See if you, your money's where your mouth is. It's about learning to trust in God and yielding to him completely. See, we'll never yield to him completely until we really trust him completely. Amen. Well, that's all the time that we have on the radio for today. But if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or be a part of one of our online services, we invite you to find us on Facebook at Old Savannah Baptist Church, on our website, oldsavannah.org, or on our YouTube channel. And also, we would love to hear from you. You can send correspondence through Facebook Messenger, or you can send an old-fashioned letter to P.O. Box 628, Dillsborough, North Carolina, 28725. Thank you for joining us on the radio.